Amen and amen. That's a pretty lady right there, isn't it? <laughs> amen. I appreciate my wife so much. You have no idea all the things that a pastor's wife does. All the things behind the scenes. All that she does. And uh, I just appreciate my wife. You know, this morning, I just like bragging on her a little bit. Is that all right? This morning, I believe she, uh, she had some breakfast for Sunday school that she had to make. And this morning, she had some food for the juniors that are going to camp out here that they're going to sell some food that she had to make. And then she was asked last minute to sing a special because somebody was sick or somebody couldn't make it. And, uh, and she was up early doing all these things and here early and all those things. And then she has four children plus me. <laughs> That's hard work. Amen. Yeah, you know it. And, uh, and I just like bragging on my wife. She's... And I appreciate her. She's a servant. And then there's Mrs. Williams over there. Man. And she's got to take care of that guy right there. That's got to be a ton of work right there. And she's got four kids. And you know what? She was here early. And she does so much behind the scenes as well. And thank you so much, ladies, for all that you do around here. Thank you so much. Bibles are open to John chapter 3, please. I have some questions for you before we get into the Scripture. Of course, we read together the famous verse that most of even the world knows, John 3.16. Much of the world does. And they write it different places and all this. And I wonder, if Jesus was here today, Meaning, I'm talking about bodily, in the bodily form. I know His Spirit is with us. We, he's left us the Holy Spirit of God. But if Jesus was in His bodily form, of course, when He was here 2,000 years ago, He was active in trying to witness to folks and, and help people. He went around, the Bible says He went around doing good. And if He was here right now, today, what would He say to the old farmer who has lived a good life? who's been an upstanding, honest man his whole life, who's raised children to do the same, to work hard and be honest and volunteer in the community and help your neighbors when they need help and take care of people, be kind. What would he say to a man like that? How about this? What would Jesus say to a young man that some people would label as a deadbeat. This young man has been a rebel all of his life. He's bucked against the authorities. He's, uh, he's always been in some kind of trouble. He got kicked off the church bus for being vulgar. Then he's been in and out of juvenile hall and, and uh, he's been given, it seems like, 100 chances and he's not changed. He's just always been that rebel. And now, he's being sentenced to five years in prison for being an accessory to a robbery. What would Jesus say to that one, that young man? How about this one? What would Jesus say, how about this scenario? What would Jesus say to the, to the middle-aged single mom? 
who works overtime and multiple jobs just to stay afloat and keep her children fed and keep them going well and, and, and fights the hard fight. And she's not perfect, but she does a lot of work and she works hard because she was once betrayed and left alone. And this is, this is what, this is the life that has been laid before her, but she's got children and she says, I'm going to raise those children the best way I can. What would Jesus say to a, a lady like that? Now, how about this? What would Jesus say to the man that was raised in church, got saved at a young age? Even got married, had children, but lately he's been really struggling. Been really struggling. Perhaps something happened, a tragic thing, and and one of his children died. And maybe some of the other children, through some circumstances, some family, don't want anything to do with him anymore. And he's, he's, he's hurting. And he gets low. And he takes his own life. What would Jesus say to that person? Me knowing the consistency of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe I know what he'd say to all four of them. Because the word of God tells us that he's consistent. We just talked about that. We just sang about that. He's a solid rock. He's that firm foundation. He never changes. He's always consistent. And he's always full of grace and truth. He speaks the truth, but he wraps it in a whole bunch of grace. And love for people. With this, this old farmer, is he saved because of the life that he's lived? Because he's been a, he's been a good person? Will he go to heaven? Because he's just never, he's never done anybody wrong. He's just tried to be consistent. He's tried to be honest and a good upstanding man. Won't, won't, won't he uh, go to heaven? And won't he spend eternity with Christ? How about the younger man? Who's been a rebel his whole life? That, that we, if we had to deal with this young man, we get a little frustrated sometimes and we just want to tell him what's up and show him a thing or two. Is this young man, is he past the time of salvation? Is he beyond being able to be saved? If God said, I, I've given you enough chances, you're done. Would he say that? And how about the mama? Has, has all that she has done to, to look out for her family and look out for her children and work overtime and all this extra just to keep the family going. Would God say, if somebody could earn their way, that would be that person. Now how about the man that was saved? How about the man that was saved that did a selfish thing at the, and took his own life and left everybody else to pay, for the, pay the consequences of that? And deal with that. What would Jesus say? I know what Jesus would say. Because I know what the word of God says. He'd say, your salvation is not based on you. That's what he would say. He'd say, your salvation is not based on you. Aren't you glad for that? I am so glad that for that. 
Because though sometimes people look at me and say, well, he's a pastor, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, oh, look at him. Oh, certainly he's doing something, all right? No, listen here, I'm still a sinner, and God says, my salvation's not based on me. Praise God for that. Because if it was based on me tomorrow or today even yet, I'd lose it. But it's not based on me. And my Jesus would say, you must be born again. That's what he'd say to all these people. You must be born again. To that one that was saved, took his own life. I know there's a lot of religions out there that teach, well, suicide means you just go to hell. There's a lot of religions that teach that. There's a lot of people. There's specific ones that say, you can't come back from suicide. That's just one of those things that's unpardonable. The Word of God never says that, not even once. Not even once. But my Bible says that you can't lose it. You can't earn it, and you can't lose it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for that. Now, it doesn't matter how good we are and how bad we are. And see, it's been, a, it's been a lie of the devil from day one. It's been a lie of Satan that, uh, Brother Crothers, that, that you and I can, can do something good and, and become something. That we can earn our salvation. It's been a lie from the devil. You remember, remember way back in the garden, he told Eve, when he was questioning God's word, he said, he said, if you eat of that tree, I'm going to paraphrase here, he says, he says, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God's. So what he said. In other words, if you could do, you can do something to be like God. To have an understanding. You go back and read it. He says that very thing. For a long time, I'm telling you what, this world, as I, as I go witnessing and preach the gospel and as I'm out and about, even when we were in Belize, it was amazing. In another part of the world, people are all on this thing that they must do something to earn their salvation. I am just, I'm just, I, I keep running into it more and more and more and more and more. That people as a whole in this world, and that's what every false religion's built on, is it not? Works. We, we like to uh, talk about, we like to go up to Lancaster and look at the Amish and all that, and that's cool, that's great. They, they, I sure like to sit down and have dinner with them, praise God. <laughs> Amen. It's good. That whole religion's built on works. That I gotta be something. That I gotta do something. And hopefully I'll make my way to heaven. So many false religions. It's been a lie of the devil for a long, long time. Salvation, folks, salvation is based on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Him only. Him only. That means a rotten old sinner like that deadbeat that's been a rebel his whole life. And some of us men want to grab him and smack him around a little bit because he just can't seem to line up. He can't shape up his life. It means Jesus Christ will still save his soul today. Because it's not based on your life. And you've not gone past this time where God won't save you anymore. He says, if you humble yourselves and, and call out to me, I'll save you. I'll save you. Same thing with that old farmer who's lived a good, long life and has been honest and, and, and a great uh, citizen, a model citizen. He said, you still need to be born again because it's not based on you and your life. 
It's based on Jesus Christ. Amen. How about that man that committed suicide? He was saved, yet he took his own life. Jesus said, it's not based on you and your decision there at the end of your life. It's based on me and you can't lose your salvation. Because he's that solid rock. He's that firm foundation. He's that anchor. Praise God for it. This John chapter 3 here is where we're at in scriptures, in the scripture. And he, this, this is a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Do you remember Nicodemus? He, the Bible says in verse 1 of John chapter 3, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man knew the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee. He had studied it. He had probably memorized much of it. And, uh, and this, the, the Pharisees was a sect of the Jews. that They, they went after this. They had to make sure that everything was just right. And, and they went after the saying, he was a ruler of the Jews. It means he was a teacher. He was a leader. People looked to this man. And yet he comes to Jesus. Look what the Bible says. Verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. All right. So Nicodemus is saying, Lord, you can teach me something. He was humble enough to say, this, that Jesus surely can teach him something. Whether he believed he was the Christ or not at this moment, I don't know that. But he certainly saw that God was with him as, as the scripture teaches us here. And Jesus, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, many of you and many of us would know this passage of scripture. And we know that Nicodemus came to Jesus asking these questions. And then when Jesus said, you must be born again, he struggled, didn't he? He struggled. He says, wait a minute, I'm a grown man. How am I going to go back into my mother's womb? How can this be? And Jesus says, marvel not. What's that, verse 7, is it? I think he says, verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It's not a second physical birth. You've been born physically. I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. Praise God for it. Aren't you glad to be alive today and to be breathing and your heart's still beating? Praise God for life. God's all about life. We don't take life. We don't throw away life. We don't forget life when it gets of a certain age. We take care of life because God, it's a special gift from God. Amen. But there's a second birth. There's a new birth. It's called regeneration. That you need, you need to be born again. New life. That's a spiritual birth. You've been born physically on this earth. Praise God for it. And you're, yet there's a third part of you called a, called a spirit of man that is dead because of sin. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 in just a moment. And you'll see that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we need to be brought alive. You must be born again. That's the second birth. Praise God for it. I remember when I was born again. Whew, I remember it. Man, I remember it. I come out and I said, man, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about this ever again. And I'm jumping all around. Of course, I was a boy, and, but I've always been a little excited and hyper. You know that. And, uh, and I come out of that place and, and that room and, and Roger Runkles led me to Christ. And I was just bouncing all. I'll never forget that. Because I don't have to go to hell. 
And my Bible has taught me, and I've had men of God that have taught me through the years that it doesn't matter. Of course God wants you to live right. He says, be holy. He tells us to do that. He wants us to be holy like He's holy. But yet, we don't lose our salvation when we do wrong. Because I did wrong this week. Anybody else in that boat? I did wrong this week. But my Bible says it's not about my actions. It's not about my my life and all these things. It's built on Jesus Christ. He is that firm foundation we just sang about, that third song we sang. Praise God for that. And this conversation he's having with Nicodemus, he says, don't marvel at this. Sure, you're a good man. Sure, you've done a lot of good things. Yes, you're a teacher of the Jews. You know the Old Testament. He says, but ye must be born again. You got to be born again. You got to be saved. Now notice here, let's get to the text at hand, John 3, and we went to verse 16, but let's back it up to verse 15. And let's look at these verses for a moment. Look at God. Look, this is Jesus speaking. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll notice that these are the words of Christ when he was speaking to Nicodemus. And he says that whosoever, this is verse 15, John 3, 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish. But have eternal life. I like that. Eternal life. That sounds real good, doesn't it? Look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... That whosoever, that's you and me, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. I was, I was wondering about this. I say, Lord, you use the word eternal in 15 and you use the word everlasting in, in 16. And I'm trying to understand it. So I went back to the Greek and I'm looking at the word that was used, trying to get a better understanding so I can, I can comprehend all this. And you know what I found was? It was the same exact word. The Greek word for eternal and the Greek word for everlasting is the same exact word. And so I was like, okay, so God inspired the, or, or led the, the translators of our King James to, from Greek to put it into English and to use those two separate words. I don't doubt that for one bit. God said he'd preserve his word and he did that. He needed us in the English language to hear eternal and everlasting. So I looked those up in the dictionary. You know what I found was? It means the same thing. <laughs> Praise the God. Everlasting life, right? Sounds like it lasts forever. Eternal means that very thing. It lasts forever. Why did Jesus say that? Because he meant it. If you're struggling with today with the thought that possibly you can lose your salvation... This, this is real. It, it happens to Christians because we sin and the accuser of the brethren, a.k.a. Satan, comes along and whispers and says, you're no good, you're a rotten, dirty sinner, and, and, and you must have lost your salvation because of what you did this week. He does that. Can I tell you, the words of Christ right here says, you're, you have the everlasting life. Once saved, always saved. Praise God for it. Because it's not based on me and my actions. It's based on the Lord Jesus Christ. And my God never changes. And he, He'll never. He's the creator of everything. He's not only the creator of everything. But He's the Savior of everything. He's the Savior of the world. And He, come, he came so that I could be saved. You don't lose your salvation because you can't earn it either. It's not based on you. Praise God for that. Why did He use those words? Because He meant it. 
He's a solid rock. He's the firm foundation. He's unmovable. He's unchangeable. He's ever the same. Brother Stanley, I like that song. It's in our hymnal. It says, In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. You know what an anchor does? Keeps us solid. Keeps us firm. We don't move because we're anchored. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Wait a minute. This rock is Jesus. Yes, He's the one. This rock is Jesus, God's only Son. Be very sure. Woo! Come on, you want to sing with me? No, please don't. Be very sure. I'm just kidding. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Praise God for that. Woo! Man, I'm not going to hell. Yeah, I messed up this week. I'm dumb. Dumb. If you want to call me something, call me dumb. Because that's what I am. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a sinner. And though my soul is saved and kept by the Lord Jesus for all eternity, I don't have my glorified body yet. I don't have my glorified body yet. It's not time for that yet. There's coming a day of, of that when Jesus calls us home to redeem us from this earth. There's coming that day and I'll have my glorified body once and for all. Praise God for it. You look up 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you see where, where the corruptible will put on incorruption. And the mortal will put on immortality. Woo! But I don't have that yet. You know, because I don't have that yet. Sometimes this old mouth says some things that just aren't just right. Because this mouth is still sinful, isn't it? Yeah. I messed up this week. What? You're the preacher? I've been hanging around John Kidwell too long. (laughs) His wife knows that's true. Amen. Moving on. Moving on. Appreciate you. Amen. Amen. Look at John chapter 16. Look at verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Do you see what that says there? That the world through Him might be saved. Listen, you don't get saved through John Woolard, the preacher. You don't get saved through through me. You understand? Please understand that. I know there's a lot of junk in this world teaching that you got to follow some man and that he'll save you. It's not through me. I don't know if Pastor Bain will, will be watching this week or not. I don't know, but he was the pastor before me. You know what? You don't get saved through Pastor Corey Bain. You don't get saved through Pastor Jeff Owens. You don't get saved through Pastor Don Smith. Mrs. Smith sitting here. She knows that's true. She'll say, Wee, man. Because he was a sinner just like me. But listen, we got a lot of great deacons in this church. You don't get saved through a brother Bill Marion. Through a brother Carrie Mann down here. Amen? Right? You don't don't get saved through these men. You get saved through Jesus Christ. Thomas, he was trying to understand this. And he said, Lord, how can we know the way? 
And Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the words of Christ. And if my salvation is built on Christ, and He is that solid rock, how could I ever question if I'd lose it? How can I do that? We don't lose our salvation. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, would you please? Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We need to see what the Scripture says. This is, this is deep, doctrinal, but good, solid, foundational truth here. We need to see this stuff. Say, like, man, Pat, preacher, you're, what are you doing? Well, you're getting deep on us here. We need it. We need to be taught the Word of God. I need it. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, man, verse 1. Look what it says. Ephesians chapter 2. Did you find it yet? Find it? All right, all right. Look what it says. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That word quickened, that means brought alive. We were dead, spiritually dead. On our way to hell, we're the only, we're the only place we could be going. And yet, because we, we asked Jesus to save us, he hath quickened us. He has brought us alive. Right? Look down in verse 4, would you please? This is Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, now there's two great words right there, little, but God, man, there's a lot of things that that we we could preach on that about. But God, who is rich in mercy. I like that word mercy. Brother Trumpy, I like that word mercy. You know why? Because I know my God's mercy has spared me from things that I should have. That's what mercy is. Sparing me of punishment, judgment that I ought to have. Praise God. He says here, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Look at verse 5 now. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or brought us alive, made us alive, quickened us together with Christ for by grace ye are saved. That grace is that gift. That's a free gift of Jesus Christ. See that? Verse 6 now. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What that means is I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God because the Lord Jesus made it possible and said it was so. Amen? But again, it's not because I earned that. I didn't earn that privilege. I didn't earn that position. I didn't make it happen. Jesus gave it to me. Look at verse, uh, again, verse 6. And hath raised us up together. He's the one that did that. Not me. Verse 7. Watch this now. Watch this now. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Again, that, that's, a little, that's a little thick verse there. It's a little tough to understand everything. Go backwards. It says that Jesus Christ, he's going to show us kindness because he has grace. And notice the beginning of it. It says that in the ages to come. He's going to do this. You know what age is? It's a generation. It's a time period. It's a, uh, we're in the church age. We're in the time of grace, the age of grace. But we could even use age as in a generation. Right? I'm, I am living life now. I'm the pastor now in this age, this time period, this generation. There was one before me. Praise God for that. But listen here. It says in the ages to come. 
Jesus Christ said, I'm planning that my kindness and my love towards you will last. It's going to last for all, all these ages to come. Eternal security is even right, right there. Right there. He says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be kind to you and I'm going to take care of you for ages to come. For ages to come. And there's coming a day when time is no more. And eternity takes over. Praise God in that, in that uh, new Jerusalem. Hallelujah for that. Now notice here, verse 8. Watch this now. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Have you thought about that recently? We quote that verse a lot. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Let's, let's grasp that for a minute. Grace, of course, is, is a gift. It's, you've heard of this probably, unmerited favor. Something you don't deserve, something I don't deserve, right? And, and it's that gift that God is giving. But then there's faith, and that's our part. Everybody with me now? Faith is our part, okay? If you would say, salvation is supplied by grace. Lord Jesus bought the gift and said, here. And it's received by faith. And we say, thank you, and we take it, right? You with me now? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to teach you this morning. Grace is the Lord Jesus supplying it. Faith is us receiving it. That's how salvation takes place. For by grace are you saved through faith. Look at what it says now. Verse 8. Watch this now. Don't, don't lose it. Don't, don't tune me out. I'll be done real soon. I promise. Amen. I know a lot of you are looking forward to the hot dogs and whatever else is out there. I don't know what's out there. But good food's out there is what I was told. All right. Praise God. All right. Listen here. For by grace are you saved through faith. Don't miss this now. And that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not based on you. Salvation is not based on you. It's based on Jesus Christ, the Savior. And if I can't earn my salvation, then I can't lose it either. Because it's based on Him. And not on me. No, okay, good works. All right, we, a lot of people get confused with good works. So where do where do good works come in? That means I can just be saved and, and live like a devil the rest of my life? No, 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 no. Look at the next verse, verse ten. Look at this. For we are his what? Workmanship. You know what that word means? Workmanship. His masterpiece. He's ever working on us and building us. You with me? The Holy Spirit of God inside of us working. That's why, though I'm, I'm not perfect today, but I should be doing better today than I did a couple years ago because He's working on us and I'm supposed to be yielding to what He wants. You with me? I'm a work in progress right here. If you were looking for some um, holier-than-thou angel guy to be up step on a pedestal, you, you picked the wrong pastor, I can tell you that. Because I am just a work in progress sinner right here. That's who I am. Okay, you don't believe me? You have freedom to ask my wife right after service. Okay, let's go on from that. Look at this here. For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his 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 work in progress here, created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. Unto what? Unto good works. Jesus said, "You're my masterpiece, or you're my workmanship." That's a, that's how they said it a few hundred years ago. That's, you're, you're my workmanship created in me, based on me. That's what Jesus is saying. And I've done that so you can do good works. Good works don't come 
to earn salvation. Good works come after salvation. Okay, let me say it this way. The good works are not the price of salvation. Rather, good works are the proof of salvation. Not the price, the proof. Sometimes people, they grew up in a church like this and they get saved. They, you know, somebody helped them and they made a profession. But yet, they never have conviction of, of sin in their life. And, and, and they can never do good things. They don't desire good things. They don't want to do good things. They don't. I start questioning some salvation there. Because good works of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, His Spirit, works in my heart regularly and reminds me of things I ought to be doing. That's good works. And he saved us to do good works after salvation, not to earn the salvation. It's not the price of salvation, it's the proof of it. Amen? Praise God. You say, well, I'm just a rotten old sinner. I don't want to go to church. I never want to do this. I don't like doing that. And yeah, I'm just going to live in my sin and I'm fine with that. Then just ask the Lord right now in your heart, am I really saved? Am I really saved? I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation, but I want you to before God, not before me. To say, Lord, am I really saved? Because I'm struggling with this thing. And I'm supposed to be your workmanship unto good works. And I don't got it. Lord, convict me and show me what I need to do. If I'm not saved, help me to get saved today. Lord, help me to come bring that mean to that attention today. Again, good works are not the price, but rather the proof of your salvation. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you, and then I'll finish up. Jude chapter 1. In the book of Jude, it's a letter, okay? You don't necessarily have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. Jude, we studied Jude on Wednesday nights here recently, okay? And in Jude chapter 1, God says this. Of course, he's using Jude to write this. And Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, this is verse 1, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That word preserved is a very important word. He's calling out to Christians who have been saved, and he's saying, you're preserved. You're preserved. As I look around the sanctuary here, I think about that. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ preserves me. Anybody ever canned food in here? Lots of people, huh? Canned food? Why do you can food? To preserve it. Right? You know what makes it all possible? Now, I'm not much of a canner. I haven't got into all that. But I look down here at Mrs. Mann. I bet she she cans a lot of stuff, doesn't she? Look at her. Mrs. Mann down here. You know what makes it possible? It's that seal on that that jar, isn't it? You put that that jar into some heat. Mrs. Mrs. Mann, does it still, like old-timey, like it still goes, or... Or it makes a noise, right? Still, you do, you do it this week? No, just recently. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Kerry over here, he's like, no, I was opening up them jars. I'm hungry. All right, amen. Canon food. The seal is what makes, it, what, what makes it possible. What's the seal do? You put it to, to some heat, and that seal actually completely seals, right? To keep out all the air from the outside from getting in. And to keep all what's in the inside from getting out. Right? Now consider that for a minute. You can food and that seal takes place. And it, it, it's a real seal. It's not just, 
you know, Mr. Newman down here with his mighty muscles said, Mrs. Newman, I'll put that lid on for you. She says, no, honey, let me do it right, okay? I know you're a big, strong man and all, but let me put some heat on it and let me get that seal made, all right? Listen. And that seal takes place to keep the air out. What's on the outside can't get in and what's on the inside can't get out. Jesus Christ has done the same exact thing for you and me. When he saved my soul, he sealed me. He sealed me. I have quoted this verse probably three or four times in the last month while I've been preaching. I'm going to quote it again. Ephesians chapter 4. And you don't want to turn there. Just let me quote it. Ephesians 4. It's talking about not grieving the Spirit of God. He lives within us. If you're saved, He lives with you. And, 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 and the Bible says that we ought not to grieve Him. We ought not to make Him grieve from the life that we're living. But it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. This is Ephesians 4.30. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Isn't that awesome? Man, that's awesome. That, what that means is God gave me His Spirit to keep me and to not let me lose my salvation. Because what's on the inside, the Spirit of God, can't get out. And what's on the outside, the devil and his angels can't get back in. Praise God for that. Because he sealed me. I know some of you are very visual and you got the whole canning process in your mind right now. You're like, okay, God, God stuffed me in a jar. And put a lid on it and put me into the heat, you know, or whatever that sound that makes, right? And then, you know, he sealed me. Well, you can use whatever visual you need to use. But my God says, if you're saved, you are sealed. Once and done, forever. Praise God for that. Now, I need to hear that. I need that reminder because I know the sinner I am. And when the devil comes a knocking and reminding me of the, of the junk that I've allowed in my life, i got to claim the blood of Christ and the fact that I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God and not let Him beat me up. Amen? Sometimes I literally, I get on the floor before the Lord and I'm praying and weeping and saying, God, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm under the blood of Christ. But the devil keeps reminding me of this junk that I asked forgiveness for for years ago. And he keeps bringing it back to my mind. And God says, I've sealed you. I've sealed you under the day of redemption. I've got you in John chapter 10. I've got you in my hand. And I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. Because you're mine. You're a child of God. Now here it is. Listen now. If, if you can't say that, you're not saved. You're not a child of God. I beg of you to, to, to get saved today. There's a lot of people in this sanctuary right now. A lot of people. Lower floor and balcony. We've got a good group here today. And I praise God for that. Listen here. If you're not saved, if you've never had that time where you've asked Jesus to save your soul, I'm talking about when you realize that your sin will take you to a, a godless hell for all eternity. I mean, a, a place of torment. Jesus spoke often on hell. And he says, you don't want to go there. I've come to save you. I've come to save and seek those who are lost. Those are on the way to hell. And I've come to, to redeem your soul. That's what redemption is when he when he's uh, his blood was spilled on Calvary there. That's redemption. Come to redeem your soul. Don't, don't go to hell. Don't reject me and throw that away. I've come to give you a gift of eternal life. I didn't come to give you a partial gift that you're going to lose it on a Tuesday next week. 
Because I sealed you. I sealed you. So what would he say to that old farmer with that good life? He'd say, sir, it's not based on you. Get saved. What would he say to that, that deadbeat that's been, had a wretched life and a horrible life and made a bunch of bad decisions? He'd say, I still love you and you need to be saved. Come home. Come on home and get saved. That's what he'd say. What would he say to that, 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 that single mom who's working and doing all this? He'd say, thank you for taking care of your family, but you still need to be born again. And what would he say to that, that man that was saved, that committed suicide, that took his own life? He'd say, yeah, you messed up at the end, but you're mine. You're mine. And I've sealed you and come on home. Though you took your life, you're still a child of God, and I've prepared a place for you. Because that's Bible, my friends. That's Bible. Let's bow together, please. Lord, thank you for the message that you have prepared. Thank you for what you have done in my heart this week, confirming some things. Lord, thank you that though I'm a sinner, God, you have forgiven me of that sin, and you have kept me and preserved me even though, Lord, I use the word dumb. I, 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 sometimes I think after the fact, and I say, why in the world did I let that happen? Why did I do that? But yet, God, you and your love and your grace, you just say, I've forgiven you, and I love you. Just come on back home. God, I pray somebody in here today is struggling with this thing of salvation. Perhaps... Because they've never been saved and they need to get saved, Lord. I I can't imagine shaking in my boots today wondering if I was going to go to hell or not. Lord, I can't comprehend that. I thank you for the day that I got saved. That I sealed it once and for all, Lord. That you sealed it because I made the decision to call on Christ and ask for my salvation. And Lord, thank you for that. And I pray that there's somebody in here today that's struggling with this area of salvation. I pray, God, please, that you give them the courage and the strength in just a moment. To say, I need to get saved. Help me. Somebody show me what do I do to get saved. Remember, it's not based on you. Lord, help us remember. Help me to remember that. Lord, somebody in here today has doubted their salvation. Somebody this week was doubting it, Lord, and struggling with that thing or mixed up. Or, Lord, somebody had taught them what was not Bible, what was wrong. Lord, help us to understand the truth that it is everlasting. It is eternal. Help us with that thought, please. Lord, as we come to invitation time, Holy Spirit of God, would you do your work in the hearts and lives of people. And God, draw them unto yourself. Lord, that it would not be me, it's you, Lord, and we give you this time, this this most important time of the whole day, invitation. We pray, God, that you do your work in hearts and lives, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.